I mean, you've got to have a certain kind of pillow that they use and uh, when you lay them down. And here's what I learned. They only use those things for like a couple of weeks, you know. As this pillow is for the first few weeks of their life, and then this pillow is for the next few weeks of their life, and then this pillow is for the next, you know, maybe it takes you through a couple of months, you know. And they just kind of go through all that stuff so quickly. And here's the thing that when you change the diaper, you put it in here, and it twists the bag and, you know, puts it way down deep inside of this con uh, container so you don't have to smell it all over the house. And uh, we never used that. We just put it in the bag and then throw it in the garbage can and uh, and uh, the lid closes and that worked out just fine and we ended up with a lot of interesting devices well you know what there were on this day on this first Christmas some Christmas gifts that were exchanged and uh, at kind of a baby shower if you will for this young child I want you to read about that with me in Matthew chapter 2 begin reading verse number 1 the Bible says this now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying where is he that is born king of the Jews for we have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him and Herod the king heard these things he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time his star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, uh, heard the king they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And, they saw the, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, the young child and his mother uh, by night and departed into Egypt. And there was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, uh, from two years old and under, according to the time when he had diligently uh, inquired of the wise men. We have here the story of the wise men who came from the east. And next week I'm going to tell you a little bit more about where they came from and who they were and how they knew about this event that would take place. But today I just want to speak to you about the gifts. I believe that's fitting and appropriate for the, uh, the, for the uh, production that we just enjoyed. And I want you to see the first gifts that were given. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Perhaps Mary would have preferred a diaper genie. 
Maybe she would have preferred, uh, you know, a, a year's supply worth of diapers, or maybe she would have preferred something that was more practical, a blender or a, a whole stack of baby food or something like that. But gold and frankincense and myrrh were strange gifts to give to a little child, for sure, but while they seemed impractical for any other child, they were pretty practical for this child. They were very fitting and very appropriate. The first is this, that we see that they brought gold Gold. And why on earth would they give a little baby gold? Well, these wise men who came from the east, as we'll learn next week, uh, we sometimes sing that they were the three kings of Orient, uh, but the fact is that they probably weren't so much kings in and of themselves, but that they were a tribe of king makers. And there were no kings made in the east without the approval of this tribe. And they had heard that a king was coming and that he would be born as a little baby. And so they came to present gold because that is a gift that you give to royalty. They knew that he'd be the king. And it's interesting that when they came, the Jews had no idea that a king had been born among them. They said, where's he that has been born the king of the Jews? And they searched all over Jerusalem for him and they couldn't find any answers for that. But it was these Gentile kingmakers from the east who recognized that Jesus was the king. And the Bible says that he came into his own and his own received him not. But I'm so thankful for that next verse that says, But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God. When Gentiles came to recognize Jesus as king, it set for us an example and an understanding that this would be a king for all people. The gift of gold was a gift that was fitting for a king. But then there was the gift of frankincense. Frankincense is an interesting gift to give. Frankincense is kind of a substance that comes from the sap of a particular kind of tree in the east. And actually, it's considered to be very expensive, and it's uh, very costly, and uh, it's uh, 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 even to this day. But what was frankincense used for? Well, frankincense was used in the priesthood as incense. Uh, when the priest would go into the temple and into the tabernacle uh, and he would offer up uh, incense before the Lord, that was a picture of the prayers that you and I offer today. When you look in the book of Revelation, the uh, incense are poured out as a vial before God in the temple in heaven, and they go up into his nostrils as a smell of sweet savor before God. When we offer up our prayers, they are as incense in the nostrils of God. Uh, when you offer your prayer, it's as though God breathes in that prayer, and he's satisfied with the sacrifice of your prayer before God. Uh, frankincense represented the fact that Jesus was not only a king, but he was also a priest. He ever lives now to make intercession for us. It speaks of the sacrifice that he would ultimately make. The Bible tells us that he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That word propitiation is a big word, but the meaning is simple. It just means that he's the satisfactory payment for our sins. He's an acceptable sacrifice. Here is the gift of gold for a king, the gift of frankincense for a priest, one who makes intercession for us. But finally, though, uh, while you think that you have seen everything, wait, there's myrrh. I've been waiting all year to use that. 
Uh, dads everywhere rejoiced. <laughs> and so they offered to him and gave him the gift of myrrh. Myrrh. This is a very strange gift to give to a little baby. Because myrrh was another substance which was used, but it was specifically used in burial. This would be like someone showing up to your baby shower with embalming fluid. What a weird gift. And probably tell them to get out. But they knew something about this baby. And the prophecies that they knew about, it was said that one day that the Messiah would be cut off. Isaiah chapter 53 describes for us the graphic death that Jesus would die. When a little baby is born, we look forward with hopes and dreams for all of their future and all the things that they might do and that they might accomplish. The greatest accomplishment of this baby was not just that he was born to a pure virgin and with, surrounded by miraculous events, was not just that he lived a perfect, sinless life, was not just the teachings that he taught all along the shores of Galilee, not just the miracles of the healings and the crowds and multitudes that followed him. This baby had come for a specific purpose. He had come to die. When you see him again in the book of Revelation, he's described as a lamb that had been slain before the foundations of the world, that God looked through eternity past and knew that it was purposed that his son would die on the cross. When you look at the early church, they didn't really celebrate Christmas in the way that we do. It wasn't so much that they spent so much time focused on the birth of Christ. What did the early church spend most of their time celebrating? Well, it was the resurrection of Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is the good news. These men came, not perhaps I would assume that they didn't fully understand everything that was going to happen to this little boy. They didn't know that he would be murdered at the hands of the Romans through capital punishment uh, for crimes which he had not committed. I don't think they knew all of that. But they knew that he had come to die. And that helps us to understand a little bit about the fourth gift that was there that day. They came to present these three gifts to him but there was an understanding that that little baby in the manger was a gift to all of us. You see, you can give without loving, but it is impossible to love without giving. And God loved us so much, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. Really, the first Christmas gift that predated all of these other gifts, even before the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh were given, was that God had determined that he was going to give his own son. And Jesus had determined that he would give his life a ransom for many. The first gift at Christmas was a little baby who was born in a manger, who was born to die on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Under your tree at Christmas this year, there will probably be some possessions that you might enjoy for a few moments, maybe for the entire rest of the year if it's a really good gift, maybe 
for a couple of years if it's a really, really good gift, your kids are not going to enjoy anything other than the boxes, just be honest, right? They're going to, oh, here's a shiny toy. That's exciting. I'll get to that later. Let's look at this really great cardboard box. This is fantastic. But you know what? Under your tree this Christmas, I wonder, have you received the free gift of salvation? Now, salvation is always referred to as a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. Uh, the Bible says this, uh, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. The Bible says that it's, uh, that it's uh, not of works, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. A gift. Salvation is always referred to as a gift. Jesus on this day is referred to as a gift. As we exchange these gifts, it, it points to the fact that Jesus is a gift. Now, there's an interesting thing about a gift. Uh, when we think about gifts, we give gifts to our children at Christmas. It's more blessed to give to receive, isn't it? I mean, it's a wonderful thing to give something to your children. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? It means that you actually had something in your possession that allowed for you to be able to give that to someone who didn't otherwise have it, right? for us, it's exciting for us to give those gifts on Christmas, but those gifts, as they open them up, our children have no concept of the price that we paid to give them those things. And many of you know what it's like to rake and scrape and put things together and sacrifice so that at Christmas time you can give the best things to your children. Maybe some of you even save up for it all year long. Maybe some of you... Uh, swipe your card all through Christmas and hope you can pay for it in January. I don't know. I'm not promoting that, but some of you do that. But it's a sacrificial giving this time of year. You're going to sacrifice one way or the other. But you're giving it to somebody who's just going to receive it for free, and they may not necessarily know how much work was represented on the other side. It's free to them, but it costs you something. That's the way a gift works, doesn't it? I give you something, it means that I went to the store and I paid the price uh, through my own labor, through my own sacrifice, through whatever it was that I had to offer up in order to give, uh, to purchase that thing to you so that I may give it to you. And here's what the Bible says, that the wages of sin is death. There is a debt that all of us owe, and that debt is death. But remember I used a word earlier, the propitiation for our sins, the satisfactory payment for that debt the way to have that debt canceled is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only through his death on the cross. It's only through that gift that he offered as the Son of God, God's gift to you and to me. And what do you do with a gift when it's freely given? Well, it's kind of rude to somebody pays a great price for something puts it all together and wraps it up for you and brings it to you with a smile on their face and joy in their hearts that they might give you something and for you to just say, oh, no, thank you. No, 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 hold on. You don't understand. I, I emptied out my bank account and I, 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 I worked all year because I wanted to give you this. No, it's okay. I don't really like it. That's all right. It's pretty rude, isn't it? You know what? I believe that there are lots of people who they hear maybe about this message every year, they hear about the sacrifice of Jesus, but they refuse the free gift of salvation that he's offering. When somebody offers you a gift, what do you do? You simply receive it. 
Simply receive it. It's not that if it's really a gift, then you don't go out and work for it. You don't go out and earn it. You don't go out and pay for it. Somebody else paid for it for you. And it's offered to you freely. And all you have to do is receive it. Now, how do you receive this gift of salvation? The Bible says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. A couple of verses later, it says this, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When I was a 12-year-old boy, it was actually my 12th birthday, my grandmother shared with me the story about this free gift. She, she shared with me about how that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that not, there was nothing that I could do to earn his forgiveness, that my sins deserved death and there was nothing that I could do in and of myself to pay for that death, but that Jesus did it for me and all I had to do was receive it. When I heard that message, I was troubled in my heart at first because I did not know if I died that my sins were paid for. I did not know if I died where I would spend eternity. As a 12-year-old boy, as I was riding down the road in my grandmother's Lincoln, I was looking out the window, and I prayed something like this in my heart. I said, Lord, I believe heaven's real, I believe hell's real, and I believe you have the ability to save me. If I'm not saved, Lord, I ask that you'd save me. And you know what he did? He saved me. Because the God that cannot lie promised that he would. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And from that moment, I went forward with joy in my heart. Well, I was troubled at first because I did not know something that troubled me at the beginning gave me great joy and hope and confidence. We talk a lot about joy this time of year. There's no greater joy than receiving the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart. There's a free gift under your tree this Christmas. But I wonder, have you opened it up? Have you reached inside? Have you received it for yourself? If you're here today and you do not know where you would spend eternity, you do not know that you know Jesus as your Savior, I want to invite you today to receive the free gift of salvation for yourself. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'd like to ask you to stand together. The pianist is coming to her place. We're going to extend at this time what we call our invitation. This invitation is simply an opportunity for you to respond to the message that you heard today. That Christmas is all about a Savior who died on the cross for you. The message that you heard today is that uh, you're a sinner and your sins deserve hell, but Jesus died on the cross and paid the price of those sins for you that you can know forgiveness, that you can know acceptance, that you can know eternal life. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, the piano is going to begin to play. I wonder how many of you are here today and you say, yes, I've received that free gift of salvation. I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. How many of you say, I know that? These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that. Did you know that? Go ahead and put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you could not raise your hand a moment ago. Do not leave this place 
rejecting the gift that Jesus is freely offering to you today. It's as simple as simply asking him to save you, and he'll do it. When he died on the cross for your sins and he paid the price, he cried out a word, tetelestai. That, and we translated, it is finished. But it also means not only that it is completed, but it also means that it's paid in full. Jesus paid the debt that you owed with his death on the cross. There's no reason that you have to die and spend eternity in hell. But you, my friend, can have everlasting life because God gave if that's you today and you need to be saved, I want to invite you to come. Brother Buchanan's here at the front of the room with his Bible. Be glad to open the Word of God and show you from the Bible what God says about how you can know that you have eternal life. Is there anyone who's like that today? Step out of your place. Meet us here at the front. We'll be glad to show you from the Word of God how you may have eternal life. Dear Heavenly Father, as we pause in this moment of invitation, Lord, you know every heart. And Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would trust you before it's eternally and everlastingly too late. I ask that they would make this decision today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. She's going to play just one more verse. If that's you, I invite you to come and do business with the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, dismiss us now with your blessing. I ask that you would go with us. And Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to work and convince each heart concerning their need of salvation. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, help us also during this Christmas season to remember uh, the most important 